it is good again to be here in the house of the Lord this morning, uh, and to just to praise the Jesus name, Jesus's name, and to uh, to fellowship with other believers. Man, it's hard to get y'all uh, to uh, quieten down after that fellowship, him. But uh, that's all good. It's good to be able to be able to fellowship with like-minded believers and to uh, just be in be in His house. Uh, this song is called "The Center of It All," and it's and it's talking about Jesus. Jesus from Genesis to Revelation the Bible is nothing is all about Jesus Christ and uh, he is the center of everything he's the center of our focus or should be the center of our focus uh, and so that's what this song is talking about from the coolness of the garden to the chaos of the fall when we saw the red sea parted and jericho's tumbling walls love was leading us to freedom you were teaching us your song through every page of history you're right where you belong from the beginning to the ending you're the center of it all it's for you and it's from you you and you alone the author of our story let it all be for your glory from the beginning to the ending you're the center of it all from the promise of the prophets to the virgin birth the one who healed the blind man was the king that came to serve on a cross you bore my burden took my sin down to the grave and on that sunday morning you rolled the stone away from the beginning to the ending you're the center of it all it's for you and it's from you you and you alone the author of our story let it all be for your glory from the beginning to the ending you're the center of it all and the tears that we've been crying you're gonna wipe away when you call us home to heaven and we see you face to face. We will join the saints and angels. We will raise a victory song, singing holy, holy, holy to the center of it all, of it all. From the beginning to the ending, you're the center of it all. It's for you and it's from you you and you alone the author of our story let it all be for your glory from the beginning to the ending you're the center of it all from the beginning to the ending you're the center of it all you're the center of it all you're the center of it all. Amen. Father God, we do thank you for the day that you bless us with, Father, and we do praise you, Lord, that you are 
our center, our, our number one, our center of it all. Father, and we do thank you for that. We praise your holy name. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for our sins, Father. Lord, that we may have eternal life with you, Lord, if we repent and we turn away from our sin and we trust in you and put our faith and our trust in you, Father. We thank you for that. Just ask you to be with Brother TJ, Lord, as he comes and brings your message, Father. I pray that you would anoint him and, and give him the words that, that we need to hear, Father. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. How is everybody? We have felt completely and thoroughly loved in this church this morning. My wife was walking in. She said, this is a loving church. <laughs> I said, yes, it is. That is not always true sometimes. I promise you, we get into some churches. And I told the Sunday school class this morning, I went into a church up in Tennessee. And I was, I mean, I weighed nearly 300 pounds. And I was in a red shirt. You can't miss me. How can you walk past somebody for 10 minutes before someone shook my hand? And I was like, man, you are not a loving, caring church. Uh, I didn't tell them that, but uh, I'm excited about it. We have been uh, traveling around. Uh, we just got done in Kansas visiting my son uh, Noah up there and got back. And uh, when Christy contacted uh, me this week, I said, hey, Kathy, I said, you want to go down to South Mississippi? She's like, where? Bogachitta, and she said, I ain't never been Bogachitta. I said, well, let's go. And she said, you reckon Jonas will want to go? And I said, he'll go. He'll go. So we had a good time yesterday traveling down. Um, we have been the missionaries. I have been here since the year 2000. Uh, February of 2000, I became the one missionary from Mississippi and Western Tennessee. And uh, now have 115, 116 churches that are using Awana in our district. Uh, from the Kentucky state line all the way down to Gulfport, Mississippi. So it's a fair amount of travel that I do generally by myself. But uh, occasionally, see, I have a church to go to tonight that's closer back home. If I hadn't had a church to speak at tonight that was closer back home, they would have stayed home and done the home church and stuff, and I would have traveled around down here. But um, Awana uh, is one of the greatest things that's ever happened in my life. I promise you that. Jesus Christ saved my soul on July the 30th of 1991. And I kiddingly tell people that the pastor held a mirror under my nose and it fogged and he said, you could work in Awana. <laughs> now that's not the prerequisite, folks, but it did work for me. Uh, I started listening to little boys and girls, quoting their Bible verses. I was so, I guess you'd say green and wet behind the ears as a young Christian, 28 years old, I had no idea there was more than one version of the Bible. I had no idea there was a King James, a New King James, and an NIV, an ESV, and all these letters and stuff. I didn't know that. And um, I had just memorized uh, a Bible passage, and a little boy came up to me and handed me in his book, and uh, he was quoting his Bible verse, and I, I was prideful. I said, that's okay, son, I don't need to look at it. I, I just memorized that one. And he added some words to it, and I said, well, son, you did good, but you added some words to it, and you left some out. And he said, oh, no, sir, it's in my book that way. And I looked in his Awana book, and I said, I need to contact Awana. They've misprinted this thing. I had no idea. I promise you, that's how new I was to it. But now, uh, I am working through with our staff at headquarters. Uh, we are working through uh, the chapter 5 of the book of Galatians. And we are up to verse 17. We have about five or six. Now, we have nine more verses to get to 26. Five through 20, one through 26 is what we're memorizing every week. I believe that God's word is profitable for us. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. 
Um, how many of y'all work in Awana here? If you don't mind raising your hand up. All right. Listen, I want to tell you something. Best thing that you could ever do is work with a child and help a child come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is the absolute, I promise you, with all my heart, soul, and mind, that's one of the best things you could ever do. These children will begin to feed you. See, we're supposed to be the leaders that are feeding these children, right? We're supposed to be the shepherds over these children, but what happens is these children come up to us, and they, they're almost like sheep walking up to you to tell you their Bible verse for the week, <laughs> right? And you're like, uh, now that was really good. You miss a little word, go back and sit down and study, and they come back, and another one says it again, and another one says it again. What happens is, before long, you start memorizing God's word on accident, and you never even meant to on purpose. But that's not what God tells us to do. We're supposed to memorize his word. So we're excited about what we're doing. God is doing some great things. We have five new churches that are starting one of this year alone, five new ones, which is great in light of COVID. When COVID hit, I became a depressed missionary, and my wife was tickled pink, and my son too, because I was at home every day. And then when COVID kind of got over, and I started hitting that road and going on the road, he's like, Daddy, you got to leave again? I said, Son, I got churches all over the state that we're trying to go to and, and help out. My heart is burdened right now uh, for the people of Ukraine. I'm going to tell you, folks, I, I know that God's got a sovereign plan. I promise you, I believe it with all my heart, soul, and might. And not a thing is happening over there that is not going through his permissive hands. That, I can't believe that's perfect will. It's his permissive will. His perfect will that all men would come to know his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. I know that to be his perfect will from Scripture, but, but he does allow things to happen. And he allows those things to happen to draw others closer to him. So there's people that are over there right now that are coming closer to to God because of this. There are people over there now that have heard the gospel for the last time before their lives have been ended. Folks, we're not promised the next breath that we draw. And as much as we'd like to see all of that hurt and pain and travesty go away, it's not going to go away anytime quick. And I don't know what the answer is other than Jesus. I, I know that God's word is good for us to, to be a part of it. There, there's 25,000 children in 548 Awana clubs in Ukraine. Let that sink in. There was, on a weekly basis, in churches all across Ukraine, 25,000 children and 548 Iwana clubs. I don't know where they're at right now. I don't know if they're in Poland. We have 11 missionaries in Ukraine right now. Many of them had to flee. Many of them had to leave their families. Many of their families had to leave while the missionaries stayed to join that army that they're talking about over there. And folks, I don't know what it's going to be like here in our country if anything like that happens to us. I thought about that when, I, when some of them were staying behind and some were going. I thought, man, if this war was out in California and I had to go fight, I'd leave my wife and my son back here and at 58 years old, volunteer to go out and fight for our country, would I be willing to do that? And so please pray for the people of Ukraine and the missionaries that are over there, I really um, implore you all to do that. I want to talk to you this morning about what good is God's Word. I've got 12 things that I picked up a few years ago, benefits from God's Word. So there's going to be a, a plethora of Bible verses that I'm going to go through um, and just kind of share these with you and, and, and really um, help you to see what good God's Word is to us. Um, I'm thankful again to be here. I'm so thankful for the place that y'all put us up in last night. Uh, we didn't get into a little bit late because 
We didn't know it was prom night when you went to get something to eat at 7.30 and everybody's like, uh, prom's going on and so we had to wait a little bit longer up in Jackson to get something to eat and come down, but we had a great time getting down here and uh, we'll leave this afternoon and go back up to Matheston, Mississippi to Clarkson Baptist Church. Their church is collecting coins through the month of March for our ministry and so we're going to get to meet with them and... Um, so I, I really, I thank Brother Jeff for allowing me to be here today. I thank Christy for the work that y'all are doing in this ministry called Awana. And if there's ever anything that we can do to help y'all out, I really just, please call us. I've got a cell phone. We're on Facebook. I do more on Facebook Messenger than I do by email and stuff. So if, there's any, if you want to follow our ministry, you can follow that on Facebook as well. I'm going to pray, and yes, I know I'm a Yankee. I, I know y'all have picked up on that. I do talk a little faster than, you know, many. And I've, I've been in Mississippi since 1982. And uh, when I became a missionary and presented a wana in Memphis, Tennessee one day, about 10 minutes after I started, a fella somewhere about where you are, brother, he, he stood up in the congregation and said, Brother Symes, could you please repeat that? I got tickled because he literally sounded like that. Uh, I wanted to be an impressionist when I was a kid, so I, I thought, man, I could do that voice. And... Uh, Right? I mean, like, I'm totally lost up in here. And, and, and I looked at him and I said, what part didn't you get? And he said, last 10 minutes you've been up there. <laughs> and then I got tickled because he said thar, because I'd only heard that in, like, a Disney movie in the South when they said the word thar. And I was like, how do you spell thar? I mean, that's literally what was going through my mind. And uh, he looks at me and says, you're not from around here, are you? And then I was like, are you? This is awesome, man. So I have no idea where I was at. I had no clue. And uh, I said, no, sir, I'm from Ohio. And he looked at what I assume is his wife. And, she, and he said, I told you he wasn't. And I said, well, you missed what I was talking about because you're talking about the Yankee in the pulpit. And he laughed. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I may not be from the South, but I am Southern now. And as he was taking his seat, he looked up at me and said, is that right? And I said, yes, sir, because I went to Cracker Barrel last week and ordered up turnip greens, and I was able to hold them down. <laughs> I said, so, he looked at me, and I said, you don't understand. You got a city boy from Ohio. His mom would tell him to go out to cut the grass, and I come in, and she got a pot of it boiling. I said, something right with that picture. As a kid, I wouldn't eat greens, but I do now. So, just know, I will try to be, I do get going fast on this, but I'm going to go through these. Father. You're an amazing God. Your word is more amazing than anything that we've ever set our eyes on. And God, I thank you for Jesus dying on the cross to save me from my sins. Lord, you know that I'm a wretch. You know that I'm a sinner and chief among them. Father, forgive me when I fail you daily. As my pastor once said, I sin so much and make myself sick. God, help me to take captive thoughts. Help me to keep my mouth shut when it should be shut. Help me to open my mouth when it should be open. Father, if there is a soul inside this room today that has never asked you to forgive you, them of their sins and put their faith and trust in you, God, I pray that today would be the day that something would be convicting in their heart and they would realize their need of a Savior, Jesus, and that they would bend their knee, they would ask you to forgive them and place their faith and trust in you so that they could live with those that have done that forever and ever and ever. Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So what good is God's Word? There's 12 benefits of God's Word. Number one, we're going to say God's Word invites me to know God more intimately. And from John uh, 1.14, the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of 
the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. Never sinned, never one time. Now, I cannot imagine walking through life without thinking a bad thing, without saying a, a, a thing that I shouldn't say, without, without looking at someone's motives falsely. And, I mean, I just cannot, I can't fathom that. But God said, if you want to know me more intimately, I'm going to have to send my son down there because everything else up to that point didn't seem sometimes to be doing uh, what it needed to do. But God did send his son so that we could know him more intimately. Number two, God's word shows me the reality of my situation. We're going to go to Psalm 119, 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. What is the reality of my situation? Well, my situation is I am a sinful creature that God created. That I would choose the things that I want to do before I would choose the things that God wants me to do. That's my nature. Every one of us. That's our nature. But through the miraculous salvation that God gives to us when we place our faith and trust in His Son, Jesus, our willers should change. <laughs> our, our, our wants should change. Our needs should change. Our desire to be right all the time should change. Sorry sweetheart. <laughs> my desire to be right all the time. My desire to get that last word in all the time. My desire to whatever all the time. That is my true nature. So the reality of my sin set in about 1991, July the 30th of 1991. I had gone to two churches looking for food for my family at that time. My late wife and my three children, two children at that time, we went to Calvary Baptist Church in Horn Lake and, but we also went to another church, and we also went to another church, and we also went to another church because I was suffering with back surgeries, three of them, and I didn't get paid from the post office, and I was needing to feed my family. Well, there came a point where that need had been met, but I was still going to these churches. But I, I was searching for food, but I was searching for physical food. But God had some spiritual food to feed me. And it wasn't until... I went to Calvary Baptist Church. Now, I'm not going to say that the other food pantries that God opened up, I'm not going to say that they didn't possibly share the good news that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins, but none of them pointed out the reality of who I was. Not in this way. And this pastor came and knocked on my door on a Tuesday night, July the 30th of 1991. I, look, my beard was a lot longer then, and my hair was even longer than my beard. I had gotten out of the Navy, and I had rebelled. And yes, this is for a Santa Claus thing this fall so, or winter, so bear with me on that. I'm not going to let the hair grow up back here like I did back then. But he came in, knocked on the door, and he said, uh, can I talk to you? And he sat down with me, and he opened up the scriptures, just like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. He said, let me tell you who you are. The reality of your situation is you're lost. And when you take your last breath on this earth, you're going to be separated from God forever and ever and ever. Because the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As clear as it can be. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. God's word shows me, number three, the reality of my heart. What is the reality of my heart? In Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, TJ, you're a sinner that needs to be saved. God knows the things that you're saying, thinking, and doing. 
whether you believe it or not. Whether you want to admit it or not, God knows everything that you are thinking, saying, and doing. So, TJ, you are a sinner in need of salvation. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God alone knows your heart. He knows why you say the things that you do. He knows the things that you're thinking and the way that you're thinking them. The free will that he gives us, though, he allows us to think those things. He allows some of our actions to slip through his permissive will. And that's a dangerous place to be someday. So, the reality of my heart. God's word, number four says, shows me how life was meant to be lived. In 2 Peter 1.3, 1, 3, it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to the glory and virtue. God gave us everything we need right here. It's got an answer to everything that we need to have answered. You may not want to go searching. You cannot find what you're not searching for. If you've got a need in your life and you're not searching in the scriptures for that need to be met, then you likely may be searching in the wrong place. Because the answers are here. We sometimes don't like the answers. And if we're just being honest, I told them this morning, sometimes I don't get invited back to churches for <laughs> a second time for telling the truth and love the first time, but I do it anyway, right? I, look, the, I'm, I'm chief among the sinners here, folks. Sometimes I go searching for answers in places that I don't need to search for answers. Now, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsels, so I'm not saying that you don't go to brothers and sisters and counsel with them. But when you get on the phone and you, and you, and you, and you do this, uh, I just got to share a little prayer request with you. Right? Sharing that little prayer request oftentimes is nothing but pure gossip. And that's not edifying. And we have to be careful. Because we know what we should be doing. God's word, number five, shows me how to grow up spiritually. In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to him be glory both now and forever. And, and, and 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. we got to grow. I can't grow in Christ if I'm not reading this. If I'm not listening to the Bible on my phone, I know that's a new way of listening to our Bibles, but I'll tell you one thing, it's gooder if we read it from the Bible itself than it is to listen to it. I don't know how it is. I don't know why it is. It just seems that way to me. I experience that a little bit better. Uh, I feel a little bit closer to the Lord when I'm actually doing that. And the days that I don't do that, I suffer a little bit more, it seems like. I'm not saying there's tragedy in my life because of that. There could be. God's got, man, God can do some stuff in our lives. Amen? And so he's trying to teach us, always go to his word. In verse, and, and uh, word number, uh, uh, number six, it says, God's word guides me through my life. In Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You want to know the direction that you should go? You're praying about a new job? Or are you praying about a new job? Do you see someone dangling something out there and saying, I'll give you more money if you come over and do this? But if it's not God's will that you go and do that, you're going to be miserable sitting in the wrong seat of the bus. Not that you're not on the bus, but you're in the wrong seat of the bus. So many times we make decisions based on how we feel and not by what the Lord told us to do. And if you're not hearing from Him, you're probably not reading and sitting still and listening to Him. That's what I generally find out in my life. God's word provides stability in storms. Now, I found a big old fancy 
50 cent word when I looked up stability. The Bible verse I'm going to share with you comes from Matthew 7, 24 through 25. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. If your life is in disarray, and you feel that sand beneath you kind of washing away, you need to go back to that foundation, that rock in your life, because that's the only place you're going to find it. You're not going to be able to jump from here over to here and, and get on some solid ground over here if you're not doing it through the Word of God. Now, this word that I found out here was gyroscopically. Gyroscopically. Who in here knows what gyroscopically means? Oh, do you know that, son? I didn't know you knew that. I'm sorry. Raise his hand a little bit. Gyroscopically. You are going to enjoy gyroscopically sound ships if you go on a cruise. Because the gyroscopics allow that, 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 that ship to just... Have you ever watched them like on Facebook and other places? You see them ships out there and they just like... You think it's going to roll. That thing's going to completely tip all the way over. And then all of a sudden it comes back this way. Well, it's the, it's the same thing when they go into outer space and they put our people into this machine and, and it starts spinning them this way and then this way and then this way and you never know which way you're going inside that thing, right? And you think to yourself, how could these people... How could they get their bodies in tune? These pilots that are fighter pilots, they know what gyroscopically means because it brings stability in their lives. They're able to focus in such a way that they can maneuver these things and handle these things and do these things. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you ain't letting this gyroscopic book lead you, you're going to be out there just vomiting. I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't mean to... I don't think I've ever said vomit in the pulpit before, but I'm telling you, you'll just be sick to your stomach trying to figure out which way to go, what to do. When the answer is sitting right here, he brings stability into our storms. And that doesn't matter what storm it is, how big or how little. This morning, I started to walk down the platform over here. I can't see from my right eye in the center. I went through a storm a few years ago. Doctor did a surgery on my eye, fixed it. A week later, tore again. Fixed it. Six months later, tore again. He put some fluid in my eye. It was supposed to be an even exchange. It wasn't. It inflated in my eye, and it cut the optic nerve off in my eye. So when I look out there at y'all, if I look straight at my son, can't see my son. I can see Brother David, but I can't see anything in this right here. I can see the peripheral on the outside at about this big spot. That was a pretty good-sized storm in my life. I promise you it was a big storm in my life. But there was a time when I had to come to a point and say, okay, God, this happened because it was your will. You allowed this to happen. It may not have been his perfect will with the doctor and making the decisions that they made and the lady who put the mixture together and, and then they kind of didn't tell the truth about some things and we had to confront them about those things. It was a very uncomfortable storm that we were in the midst of. But I didn't run from that storm. Why? Because I went back to my word. And God gave me the strength to go face that storm. And he righted my ship back in such a manner that this doctor agreed that it was wrong for them, as much as the doctor will agree that they were wrong. But he did tell me that he would take care of my eye for the rest of my life. 
So I get to go back to him and have this eye checked. It won't see again on this earth unless God heals it. It's just not going to. There's nothing I can do about it. So do I bellyache about it? Do I cry out to God and say, oh, what was me? Why is this happening to me, God? This is not fair. What did I do? How come it's happening to me? I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what family life is like. I don't know what your children are like. I don't know what your spouses are like. But whatever it is that you're going through, your answer is found in the Word of God. Whether they want to be a part of that or not. That doctor didn't want anything to do with me sharing the, the love of Christ with him. I assure you, he did not want anything to do with it. But February the 6th of that year, I sat down and shared the gospel with that man. Now, did he accept Christ as a Savior that moment? Is he now going to church every week? Is he not? No. No, not that I know of. But I know one thing. I laid a seed at his feet. And I know one thing. Somebody's come along and watered that seed. And I know another thing. I may not see it here on this earth, but he may get saved one day. And that's, why are we not sharing the gospel with others? People aren't getting saved because we ain't telling them. We're expecting somebody on our left or somebody on our right to do it, but we're not willing to go out and do it ourselves. It's a conversation. Talking to God is nothing more than a conversation. Talking to somebody else about the truth of what you know in your heart to be true, someone loved you enough to care how to get saved, how to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and to be your Lord and Savior so you could live with him forever. Someone cared enough about your soul to share that good news with you Yet, we go out every day, we work next to Becky, we work next to Tom, we know they're not Christians and we won't share the good news with them. It doesn't make any sense. That's not what we're called to do. God's word calls me to purity and to holiness. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There are days that I just, I, I just... Where, does that, where did that thought come from, God? Why is Satan throwing that dart at me? A TV, you're sitting there flicking through the TV, and then all of a sudden an image comes across the TV, or a word that you hear across the TV, and I promise you, garbage in, garbage out. And it is a battle. I love VidAngel. Have y'all ever heard of VidAngel? If you've not heard of it, it's an app that costs about $10 a month, and you can... Most movies that they have on there, you can go in there and filter the stuff that you don't need in your life out. When I hear that stuff, I'm prone to be accepting of that stuff, folks. Now, I'm not saying that I hadn't stubbed my toe and said a wordy dirt that I shouldn't have said. I'm not going to die and go to hell because of that. But that ought not be my speech. That ought not be my everyday speech. There's nothing attractive about that that makes others say, I want to be like that Christian. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is the next one. God's word calls me to action for God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Everything I need to do for God, I have been given the ability to do. And if I lack in any, in any way, shape, or form, I go back to the word of God and say, God, I need wisdom. Give me wisdom on what I need to do next, Lord. What's the next step I need to do in this situation? I don't want to be sitting at the airport waiting for my ship to come in, God. I need to be where you want me to be. God's word teaches me how to relate to others. Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. If I'm loving him that way, 
than the one next to me that I may not particularly get a lot. Look, I had a guy one day, <laughs> my neighbor, PJ. He called me PJ all the time. He'd get mad. I had two big tall pine trees in my yard. Now at the time I was facing the third back surgery. So, so picture this. I can't even cut my own grass. All right? I'm 360 pounds at the time. I can't cut my grass. I'm miserable. I'm looking for Jesus and can't find him. And, and my neighbors, again, PJ. <laughs> TJ, <laughs> right? Your pine cones are all over my yard again. Okay, um, but what do you want me to do about it? Like, you know, I, I mean, I can't go out and pick them up. My back is like, I can't do that. Well, you got to do something about it. You're going to have to cut this tree down or something. I'm like, so I don't have the money to cut a big tree down like that, <laughs> and I can't do that. And he would get so mad at me, and it was so hard to love him when he continually came back and berated me for something that I didn't even plant the tree. I bought the house with a tree like that. But let's look at a few things that God says. How to know God's love and love God. Matthew 22, 37, I told you. Love the Lord our God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. How to love other believers in 1 John 4, 10, and 11. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiations for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. To love one another. We ought to love one another. But sometimes we don't want to love one another. Sometimes we want to seethe in our heartache and our pain and our discontent and our frustration. How to love thy neighbors, Matthew 22, 39. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Some of us love ourselves, but we don't want, don't want to love the neighbor. Don't want to love the bullies. How to love my spouse, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Husbands, I assure you, when I love God more than I love my wife, we both win. But if I love my wife more than I love God, we both lose. If I put my needs before hers, we lose. If I get selfish, we lose. If I put God first, we win. If I put her second, we win. If I put my kids before my wife, we lose. There's just principles of God's word that are basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. If you do not follow the basic instructions before you leave earth, if you don't follow what the Bible says, I assure you, you are going to have troubles in your day. It just will happen. When I tell you to follow instructions, <laughs> uh, Wednesday morning, now, those who follow me on Facebook know that I love to bake. If you had a cinnamon roll in there this morning, that is a labor of love. I will bake 30 pans, freeze them, sell them, give them away. Probably 50% of what I do, I give away. It blessed my heart this morning when my son looked at me and said, Dad, when you die, I'm going to give apple walnut cakes away too. That blessed my heart, folks. I just want you to know that. But Wednesday morning, I was telling my son, Son, teacher says that you're going through your stuff too fast. I know you're gifted. I know that you're smart, and, and I get all that, but the teacher says you're finishing up a little too fast. And you've come out with an 80 instead of 100. 
And I'm thinking if you slowed yourself down and just read over your answers just one more time before you put it in there, I said maybe you get one out of those two corrected. And you get a 90, okay? I'm telling my son that. And he's receiving it like an 11-year-old would, okay? And I know he's here, and he's like, Dad, you're talking about me in front of everybody, but I'm just telling you. But see, here's what my daddy did. My heavenly father said, hey, TJ, you remember those apple walnut cakes you made yesterday? Yeah. Did you read every step of the way? Did you follow the instructions? Did you do everything that you normally do? And I thought I had. One of those apple walnut cakes, I don't know which one, got it. Man, I, I, I knew. 24 cups, I'm making it times 8. A recipe times 8 now, folks, all right? You've got to follow the recipe, right? Got to follow the instructions. Here's your instructions. Follow the instructions. 24 cups of flour, 24 eggs, man, 4 cups of brown sugar. In my mind, I promise you, I thought it was 24 cups of sugar. A cup of sugar to a cup of flour is way too much. Way too much. I'm on the way home from having just told my son, if you would just slow down and follow the instructions and go back over it again, man, do you know how much gooder you could have? Okay. I called Kathy. I said, Kathy Sipes. I said, find that blue book up there that the recipe's in, the original recipe. She said, okay, it's right here. I said, now it says this, 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 and this, right? She said, yeah. And I said, find that piece of paper that I wrote out every one of those times eight. She says, right here. I said, does it say 24 cups of flour? She said, yeah. And I said, 24 eggs, right? Yeah. Okay, two and a half teaspoons of baking soda, cinnamon, and what's the other thing I put in there? Uh, what's, the, what's the cinnamon? Baking soda, there's three things that I put in there. That, in that, anyway, five tablespoons, two teaspoons of vanilla. I said, how many cups of sugar does it say? And she said, four cups of brown sugar. I said, no, I ain't talking about brown sugar. I'm talking about sugar. I told you I love to bake a lot, right? She said 16. I said, you know why it says 16? Because if you have two cups of sugar in the original recipe and you multiply it by eight, that equals 16, not 24. But I was relying on my own knowledge. And I'm telling you here to this day, I knew God was going to use this lesson in my life. I didn't know it was going to be the Sunday that I would be able to use this. Relying on my own knowledge, all right? When we don't rely on what God has given us, man, we suffer. Now, in this case, whoever gets to eat that's going to have a third more sugar than they're supposed to, right? <laughs> Don't raise your hand, son. You're not eating all that, right? I'm just saying, when I relied on my own knowledge instead of going back to, to the recipe and looking at it one more time, when, when you have a situation you're trying to debate within yourself, should I do this, should I not do this, and you just say, oh, well, I just feel like this is what I should do, and you don't go back to the Word and ask God, is this really truly what I want you to do? You're going to suffer. How to love my enemies. Mm, 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 mm. In, in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, how to love your enemies. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Folks, 
In Philippians 2, it tells us, look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Don't, don't envy with others. Don't strife with others. Don't, don't get frustrated with others that may be your enemies. Okay, Love them like Jesus would love them. Some of the things going to change. We ordered a pizza on New Year's Eve, and it came and it was wrong. But the lady delivered and said, no, it's not. I'm looking at it right here. And I said, well, ma'am, that's not what I ordered. I mean, it's just not. I said, it's a standing order and so on and so forth. And her name was Angel. Her name is Angel. And she got real bitter with me on the phone. And I'm not about to fight with you on the phone. I, I, I'm the guy that lets telemarketers tell me everything they got to tell me so I can ask them, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? I don't hang up on telemarketers anymore. I share the gospel with them. And some, I get to follow me on Facebook from foreign countries. Why? Just because I want them to know about Jesus. This lady got mad. She got mad. She got mad. And finally, somebody else got on the phone and apologized. I said, who is she? She said, well, she's the general manager. I said, well, there ain't no going above her then. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I ordered another pizza. And she was on the phone. And I said something about to the little girl that, you know, she was just, I, said, I talked to some lady back in December, and I don't know who it was. I don't remember her name, but, man, she was madder than a wet hen. I've never seen a wet hen. I just assumed it really bad. Mama said it was. That's no southern thing, right? And, uh, and so she gets on the phone, right? And uh, I said, hey, I said, that lady behind you that's doing all that yelling and screaming back there, I said, it sounds like that's her. I said, what's her name? little girl on the phone, she said, oh, that's Angel. I said, that's, the na- that's her. That's the lady who got mad at me in December. And Angel got on the phone, and she was just defending. I did not give you the wrong pizza. And I said, man, look, I'm not here to debate with you. I promise you I'm not. And my wife sat there and witnessed this. 20 minutes. Took me almost 20 minutes. By the end of that conversation, I said, Angel, guess what? I said, I'm the kind of guy that's going to bring you an apple walnut cake. You might even get a pan of cinnamon rolls. Who knows? And uh, she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I bake on the side, and I just like to do things for people. And I said, I just appreciate you taking the time to listen to me. I said, you were so bent out of shape. You were so rude to me on that phone back in December. There was no reason for me to call you back today and ask you to deliver pizza to my house. I said, but I can't get out because we're sick, and I need some food, and I want a pizza. I said, so I just want you to know, you cannot keep talking to people like that and expect them to want to keep ordering from you. Well, the lady came, delivered the pizza, and I sent back the stuff, and I never heard from her. Now, I don't give things to get. I promise you, I don't want to give her something so she can call me back and say anything about them. All right? But I was down by Domino's one day about two weeks ago, and I walked in, and I said, I want to see who Angel is. I mean, as soon as I walked in, I looked up, and I was like, I don't know what that woman's name is, but I'll bet that's Angel. And uh, I walked in there, and I said, hey, how are you doing today? And, and her voice, I could hear it grinding like chalkboard, right? And uh, I went up and shook. I said, my name is TJ Sipes. I said, you might know the name. I said, but I'm the one that sent the Doughboys products down to you. And she just smiled from ear to ear. She said, man, we devoured everyone. My, all my people ate those cookies up and, 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 and so on and so forth. And that squelched all that anger and hurt and pain and frustration, didn't it? But what do most of us do? I ain't going to that restaurant again. It'll be another year before I darken the doorsteps of that place again. Not going to talk to me like that. I ain't going to have it. Folks, that's not what Christians are to be alike. We're just not to be that way. Love your enemies. I'm almost finished. 
God's word equips me for victory over Satan and temptations. In Ephesians 6, 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I know that when I get up in the morning and I put my armor on, I'm going to be far more victorious than when I get up in the morning and leave it off. These people that are in war right now, they know the importance of getting up in the morning and putting their helmets on. They know the importance of getting up and making sure their weapons are sharpened, that everything is working properly so that when they need that to happen for them, every weapon that's in their disposal will be fully available to them. What happens with us is we sometimes lay our weapons down and forget to clean them up and take care of them and, and do the things that God wants us to do. God's word provides the blessings of God in my life. In these last five, God's word revives my soul in Psalm 19, 7a. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. In Psalm 17b, it says, God's word gives me wisdom. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Well, they don't come much more simple than me. I assure you that. There ain't a thing wise in me that God didn't put inside of me. Sometimes I get asked questions, and, and Jacob, is that, this morning, is that your name? Jacob was a Sunday school teacher. Son, you, you, you were getting me nervous there asking me some questions that I didn't have the wisdom for yet. I've never been to seminary now. I, 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 I know how to cook, bake, and lead people to Jesus, but don't ask me all the hard ones, all right, because I don't have all that, but I know where to get it. I know where to get it, and that's what I kept pointing. Everyone in the class knows I kept pointing you back to Scripture. Don't get it from me. Don't get it from the neighbor. You go back here for your wisdom, okay? God's Word gives me joy. Psalm 19, 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You ought to get up joyous every day. Now, i got to be honest with you. I bought my wife, her birthday is Tuesday. And uh, I bought my wife a Keurig coffee maker for her birthday so that we could travel with that. Because my wife is extraordinarily joyful when she has that first cup of coffee. Right? Would you agree? Right? Joy is within her. It's just sustained a little bit until she gets that first cup of coffee. When that coffee sets in, man, the birds sing a little prettier. <laughs> the sun rose a little higher. I mean, it's just the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. So I know that Scripture gives us joy, but coffee does too. Amen? God's Word opens my eyes, Psalm 19 and 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I don't know what you're going through, but your eyes will be opened. Just as Philip sat in that chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand it if somebody's not going to tell me what it means? And so, lo and behold, he sat down and started telling him what it meant. And when he did, his eyes were opened up. And he said, what prohibits me from getting baptized right now? Right? Maybe there's a neighbor, maybe there's a co-worker, maybe there's a, a child in your family, or a spouse, a grandparent, uh, uh, somebody that's waiting for you to open their eyes up. Share the love of Christ with them. God's word, letter E, warns me. Psalm 1911. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and keeping of them there is great reward. So what good is God's word? Man, it's good. I, I have down here as a final note, one of my dearest friends in life. She used to be one of our donor partners. This sweet lady was about four foot eleven on a good day. If she was able to straighten up from the scoliosis that she suffered with, she'd probably been about five foot four, five foot five. That's a lot of when I tell you that her back was bent so badly, 
like that. It was just it was just horrible to watch Mama Peg and the pain that she had to be in. But Mama Peg loved baking cakes. She was a school teacher for kindergarten for over 30 years. She retired, and she became our little town's baker for cakes. If you wanted a ding-dong, hostess ding-dong cake, you got it. If you want a Coca-Cola cake, you got it. you want a Dreamsicle cake, you got it. You name the cake, the color, the flavor, the texture, and Mama Peg could make it. And she was a loving, trusting lady. She had a freezer over here, a deep freeze about this big, and she'd just make her cakes for the week, and she'd put them in there, and she had a little kitty cat cookie jar with a head that'd come off of it, and you'd walk in there and pick up your cake and put your money in the kitty cat cookie jar. It never stayed locked a day in its life. Loving, trusting woman. And what I put on here, she sent, since last year, she, she went home to be with the Lord. Broke my heart. I loved her. I would call Kathy and I'd say, hey, I'm going to see my girlfriend. I was allowed to have Mama Peg as a girlfriend, right? She knew who I was talking about. But Mama Peg never let things that she could not do keep her from doing the things that she could do. And my question to you is, what things are you allowing yourself to not do when there's so many things that you could be doing? There's some things that are out of your control. You cannot make a person trust Christ as their Savior. I don't know, is this, is this on Facebook at all? Is this going to be live? Okay. I got family members. I have 42 family members, and I'm the patriarch of our family at this time. I love every one of them, sisters, nieces, nephews. But all of them are not professing Christians. And it breaks my heart. I have tried to be the godly witness that I need to be in each of their lives. And I have tried to plant seed in their lives. I have tried not to beat them over the head with God's word and tell them that they are going to hell. I know what the truth is. I know what the truth is. So I just try to share the truth in love. And when you do that, You'll be amazed. You'll see these little boys and girls come in here. You'll see a transformation take place in their life. You'll watch it before your very eyes, and you'll be amazed at how God transformed this child's life. And I don't know if you're working in a water or not, but if you're not, I'm not going to say shame on you. I'm going to say, man, you are missing one of the greatest blessings and joys you've ever had in your life. I don't care if you're serving a cookie to these children. I don't care if you're back there praying for these children. I don't care if you're riding a bus with these children. Whatever you can do to lead a child to Christ, whatever part of that work that you can be a part of, you need to get in on it because it's one of the greatest blessings you'll ever have in your life. So what is God's word good for? It's good for the salvation of the soul. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Pastor, I'll turn it over to you. Mm -hmm.